0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast 126. And today we're going to be looking at doubt and fear and not trusting. I mean, it's so fascinating that all the narratives, all the stories after Easter, we've just had the big Easter celebration, Jesus is alive. And the first stories we have in the New Testament are all about people doubting it's true. Yeah, so I mean, if people doubt today that Jesus is alive, that the resurrection happened, yeah, they doubted back then too. Nothing unusual about that at all. So today we're going to be looking at Thomas's perspective. One of the disciples, one of the students of Jesus, Thomas, commonly known as Doubting Thomas, but... To be fair, I have never met anyone who doesn't doubt. And really, would you trust someone who said to you, I have never doubted God a day in my life. That is why I am living in perfect peace. I never doubt, I completely trust. You'd be like, yeah, fine, right. Yeah, I don't think so. So yes, we're looking at Thomas's story, but again, it's not just about Thomas. Not just about Thomas. Everyone, everyone does this to some more than others, granted. Some people have lots of questions. It's the way they're put together. They like to question things and think about things and wonder about things and look at things from different angles, and which is fine. Uh, others, you know, don't question as much but anyway thomas so the story is is that on easter night when the disciples got together they're still hiding right because they never really paid any attention to what mary said and again we looked at this uh, during easter mary went to the tomb it was empty cut a long story short she meets the alive jesus and she runs off and tells the brothers, the rest of them. And they said, Laras, which we looked at was meant absolute, utter nonsense. What is she havering about? Absolute nonsense. So nobody's really listening to her. So on Easter night... They were all hiding, they're behind locked, closed doors because they're scared that the same thing that happened to Jesus that was executed on the cross, uh, crucified, died, buried, sounds like the creed, (laughs) uh, would happen to them, right? So they're hiding. And as they're hiding, Jesus appears. Appears to them all. Well, not everyone. Thomas wasn't there so he appears to them uh, most of them, most of the closest you know the 11, the 12, the 10 by now because Judas is gone and uh, they're absolutely overjoyed and of course the disciples later on you know when they they see Thomas they they tell him about what happened to them on Easter night and Thomas is like well (laughs) Uh, I don't think so. And unless I personally see him, unless I actually see his hands and the wounds of the nail print in his hand and put my finger in the nail print and touch his side where he was wounded, I don't believe. I don't believe he's alive. And so this is where, this is... This is Thomas. He's absolutely steadfast in that. He doesn't really care about what other people say. He's not really listening to anybody else's experience. By now, his closest friends are saying, yeah, it really is true what Mary said. It isn't Leros. It really is true. We saw him with our own eyes. He's alive. Well, a week later, John tells us that, we're in the Gospel of John here, by the way, uh, chapter 20, 29. A week later, a week after Easter, Jesus again appears to all the disciples. And this time Thomas is there. And as usual, if there's somebody in the group that's in trouble, and you'll notice this interesting pattern If somebody in a group is is going through a hard time, Jesus always tends to go toward that person. And so they're all hiding again. They're behind closed doors. Jesus appears and he looks at Thomas and he holds out his hand. He says, reach out your hand, Thomas, touch me. Stop doubting and believe. Now, we have no idea whether Thomas actually touched him or not, because the text is silent. But all we know is, is that when Jesus appears and puts puts out his wounded palm, uh, Thomas is like, well, the only thing he says is, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. It's like, oh my gosh, it's true, it's true. And then Jesus says this fascinating thing. He says, "Thomas, you you believe. You believe him alive because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed." Now, this is what I want to concentrate on today because I think that this is a real this is a great lesson for us. He says, "Thomas, blessed yeah. You're you're You believe because you see me, right? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. It's like, Thomas, you got what you wanted. You wanted to see me physically. Well, here I am. You wanted proof personally. Well, you got it. However, however, you wouldn't even listen. You wouldn't even take the reliable testimony of Mary and your closest friends. That wasn't good enough for you. Why would, they, why would they lie, right? No, blessed are those who believe without seeing. It's like, Thomas, you're basing everything on your, your eyes, your physical faculties, and that is quite inadequate when it comes to your spiritual life. It's like, Thomas, trust doesn't work this way. It's not about you get, giving out a list of what you think needs to happen before you follow, Right? That's just, a, that's just control, isn't it? It's like, Thomas, that's not trust. That's not belief. Look at your conditions. You're saying, I will believe if I see his wounded hand. I will follow if he appears before me. If I can put my hand in his wounded side, then I'll believe he's alive. That's not trust. That's not trust. That's not belief. That's not faith. That's just about trying to be in control. It's like, Thomas, it's not going to work over a lifetime. It really isn't going to work. Funny thing about proof is, you know, (laughs) well, if you've ever had something sort of amazing happen and you say to yourself, you know, the only way I got through that was because God helped me. Or the only way that happened out, happened in this particular way was because God must have been in this in some way. Now, that's a great feeling to sense that God's there and with you and things are going absolutely right. But the funny thing is, these times don't shore up your faith forever. In other words... A wonderful thing happens, you're buoyed up for that day, but six months down the road, we forget things very, very easily. So it doesn't really matter in some ways what God did five years ago, one year ago, one week ago. Uh, we, We tend to not to be able to hold on to these sorts of what we classify as proofs. So I think what Jesus is saying to Thomas is, um, Thomas, look, I'm here just now, but this isn't going to work in the in the long run. It would be like you and I saying, "God, I'll f- trust you, but first I uh, want this particular job, and uh, I want you to f- I want you to take care of this particular family problem." And then I'd like you to, I don't want to be worried about money. I need you to take care of my finances. I, I need some financial windfall here. And uh, and here's the person that I want to spend my life with. Can you work that out? Because I really, really want to spend my life with, with, with her, with him. And Jesus, that's not trust. That's just giving God a list of your conditions. Of what you need God to do for you. So as far as Jesus was concerned, Thomas had more than enough evidence he was alive. But because, first of all, well, the main thing is, is because his closest friends were all saying the same thing. It's like Thomas, you need to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. Because sight and proof is not going to be enough for you. Remember that word trust and faith? You know, it's the same thing, right? They're interchangeable. So if you have faith in God, you are trusting God. Jesus is always concerned about building a relationship of trust. So Thomas had a lot of trouble trusting. That's why he's got the name Doubting Thomas. But again, like I said earlier on, I think that... This is a problem that most of us have. You know, um, there's always going to be times when we have trouble trusting God. So in some respect, to be human is to doubt. Why doesn't God do something in this situation? Why doesn't God stop this? Why doesn't God intervene here? Why does God allow these horrible things to happen? I mean, many, many of us have questioned. You know, just turn on the news and you start to question, right? And this has been the same since the beginning. In fact, we have some of the Psalms in the Old Testament. They're called Psalms of Lament. They're basically songs. And the songwriter really is just writing about how, well, there's kind of like songs of doubt because one of, here's one, Psalm 6 is, God, please get me out of here. I'm tired of all of this. Do something. You know, it's like if you really care for me, if you really care at all, please do something about this. My bed is soaked with tears. I'm crying so much. I'm weeping so much. Why are you not Answering me, yes, yeah, like the psalmist is like, this is horrible. Psalms of lament. yeah, if you're ever really distressed, that's a that's a good <laughs> that's a good place to read in the scripture, the Psalms of lament. There's nothing wrong with a lament. There's nothing wrong with questioning God. There's nothing wrong about wondering. Skepticism, doubt. Our faith life is like every other part of our lives. There's ups and downs. There's happy times, there's sad times. Think about your closest relationship. Think about your family life. Think about your work life. It doesn't really matter. There's times where you're going to feel strong, there's times when you're going to feel weak. The hills and the valleys. Sometimes you might feel that God's close. Sometimes you might feel that like you're completely alone. Sometimes you might think that God hears your prayer. Sometimes you're thinking God's ignoring you. That's all normal. I think one of the lessons we learn from Thomas is, is that he doesn't stay permanently in the place of doubt forever. Right? so his words when he when when he saw jesus his thomas's first words were and by the way like i said we don't even know if he actually did ever reach out and touch jesus but his words were when he saw jesus my lord and my god so he leaves doubt behind doesn't he see that's the thing about thomas he doesn't permanently live in the land of doubt he doesn't stay there and I think that's the important thing that that, yes do we go through times of doubt yeah we get into trouble when we linger there for too long you know we can linger around places on the edge for, for too long it's too discouraging we don't move ahead in any way Thomas doesn't stay there. In fact, some of the traditions say that Thomas went to India. Some of the Christians over in India, like in Kerala, uh, the St. Thomas Christians, trace their heritage back to Thomas. That's a tradition. So I don't know if it's true or not, but it's just interesting that, you know, Thomas had the reputation after this for really going out and taking his faith out into the world. So he certainly didn't stay doubting forever. So there's a time to leave behind hesitation. There's a time to leave behind disappointment and grief and questions. And there's a time to say to yourself, okay, maybe I'll never get this question answered or maybe I'll never be completely clear on this. But you know what? I'm going to move ahead anyway. I'm gonna move ahead, I'm gonna trust. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to move ahead, and I'm going to trust that God will meet me wherever I need to be met. And you know, that's you know, that's really what faith is. It's not about giving God a list of things that God needs to do. I think sometimes we even think prayers that, you know, we think, if I really, really just Believe hard enough, then God will give me this, and my prayers will be answered with a yes. That's not really trust. Again, that's another subtle way of controlling. True trusting is God, I'm inviting you into this situation, I'm inviting you into my life, into this time, into this circumstance. Do whatever you have to do. And I'll trust you for the rest. You know, don't hang on too tightly to expectations. Otherwise, you can get awfully discouraged. When the expectations are too rigid, when they're too set, when they have to go a particular way, um, you can get yourself into an awful lot of trouble. And get awfully discouraged faith-wise. I've done this myself. Uh, You know, kind of, you can almost like set yourself up for severe disappointment when God doesn't come through the way that you think God needs to come through. But I think true trusting is holding expectations lightly, moving ahead in faith and trust, takes a bit of courage, much of the time. And then knowing when there's a time where you can leave that doubt behind and moving on. Well, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. God help us to know when it's time to drop that doubt and start to walk again in confidence. Give us the strength for that, just as you did, Thomas. There is the prayer. There is the heart cry. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.